Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. If you've ever been to my house, if you've ever been to my house, you know that in my front yard sits two big wisteria bushes, okay? And these bushes sit about six feet apart. They're big wisteria, okay? Now, here's what I've learned about these wisteria bushes, okay? They're supposed to, if you will, produce beautiful purple hanging wisteria flowers. That's what they're supposed to do. Now, here's the thing, okay? We've lived in Lubbock for over 15 years, and every year... Guys, every year we patiently wait for these flowers in our front yard to bloom. We sit and we wait, and they're green, and, and the vines go all over the place. And so we wait, and we're waiting for these, these, these beautiful flowers, right? But i got to be honest with you. In my house, my wisterias, they won't bloom. They, for some reason, they won't bloom. And here's what drives me crazy. We'll drive around Lubbock, right? We'll be driving around Lubbock, and everywhere will be wisteria bushes, and they'll have these big, beautiful purple flowers, and I'm looking at it going, that's what they're supposed to do. And I go back home, and I just see these green bushes, these green bushes. And I'm telling them, and I go talk to them. I said, you're supposed to bloom. Where's the flowers, right? And it doesn't tell me anything. But then one Saturday, check this out. One Saturday... Well, I decided to do some yard work, so I got out my handy-dandy snippers, okay? I was going to just do some yard work, okay? So I go to these wisteria bushes, and there I am. And I snap, right? And I start doing this. And it was just amazing, right? And, and I'm just really getting into it. And I was like, okay, working on the yard. And, and then I saw the wisteria bush, and I noticed that, well, it was, one side was a little lopsided, okay? It needed, needed some trimming. So I thought, I'll just give this wisteria bush a haircut, just a little haircut, no, Nothing major, right? I'm just going to snip it and, you know, just kind of round it off. If it's not going to bloom, maybe. So I take this and I take my little thing and I snip. Okay. Oh, wait, wait a minute. That one. Snip, right? You guys know. That's exactly what I started to do. And, and so there were. And, and then all of a sudden I said, well, wait a minute. I'm going to give him a trim. And, and uh, two hours later, I trimmed that bush naked. It freaked me out, okay, because I was like, well, now it's lopsided here, and now it's lopsided there, and then it's like, and before you know it, I had a bunch of vines on the floor, and, and it was naked. It was naked. <laughs> so I, <laughs> I went inside, I went inside, and I asked Nathalie, how much did she like those wisteria bushes? You know, I was like, hey, you know those ones? Because honestly, I thought I killed it. I mean, there was nothing left but this stump, right, and a few branches. And I was like, oh, okay. Uh, And uh, here's the thing. I knew nothing about pruning, okay? All I thought was, let me just give the bushes a little trim so the front yard looks nice. But I knew nothing about pruning. Needless to say, though, thank you, Jesus, the bushes are still there. It actually came back healthier, but it never produced any flowers, It's kind of strange, 15 years. Yo, Pastor, what's your point? Here's my point, guys. I admit to you, okay, that I do do not know how to prune a tree or a bush, okay? I'm not an expert. I can cut it back till it looks like I killed it. I can do that. But pruning, I'll leave that to the expert. But here's what I do know. When it comes to plants and flowers and bushes and trees, 
we have to prune them so that they can be healthy to produce the best possible fruit. As a matter of fact, you may or may not know this, but Beverly prunes the flowers in front every week so that we can enjoy their beauty. Okay, Beverly will come in, she'll look to me and she'll say, where are the scissors? And so she'll get the scissors and she'll go, look, now, now listen, listen to me, okay? I bet if those flowers could talk, they would be telling Beverly, Beverly, leave me alone. They're probably looking at each other, here she comes. She's got those snippers. That's what they're saying. I look okay. I'm doing okay. I'm not the best looking in the bunch, but did you notice that guy? I mean, that's probably what they're saying, right? And Beverly knows that in order to bring out the best, they must be pruned. So she cuts them. As a matter of fact, she did that this morning. That's her job. And I looked at him and I said, Beverly, look at that flower. And she goes, no, look. And she said, oh, 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 oh. See, listen, today in our text, we see Jesus talking about fruitfulness. He's teaching his disciples, guys, that it's highly important to abide in him, to remain in him for a purpose. You go, what's that purpose, guys? To bear fruit and grow spiritually each and every day. That really should be the goal. I want to grow. I want to bear fruit. Now, let me, for just a moment, bring you up to speed on what we've talked about so far, okay? Last week, okay, couple, last couple of weeks, we've been with Jesus in the upper room, okay? When you go with us to Israel next week, you'll actually go up there. It's so amazing, but we were with Jesus, and uh, this is also known as the Last Supper, but here's what, here's what we need to know. What should have been a simple Passover meal for the disciples turned into a frenzy of, of, of mixed feelings and emotions, why? Because Jesus starts by washing the feet of the disciples. And here's what we learned, okay? And I want to I reiterate this because I want our church to be exactly that. You go, what's that? Jesus washes the feet and he teaches us this. You go, what's that? First and foremost, he teaches that we should all be servants. Can I get a good amen? amen. We need to be servants, guys. That's what's going to set us apart in the world. We need to serve with a pure heart, with a heart that's focused on God. That's the first thing. We got to swallow the pride and go, I mean, Jesus is God, and yet he's getting down and he's washing the dirty feet of these dudes, and I'll be like, no, but that's what we got to do. The second thing he taught us, the second thing he taught us is that we need to learn and begin the process of forgiveness. We got to, because for when we don't forgive, guys, it only hurts us. It only hurts us, and we got to learn the process. God, help me. Help me to see them like you see them. God, help me to forgive. And let the Lord do that work. That's the second thing. The third thing, guys, is that we need to do things out of love. Out of love. There should be a genuine desire to love Jesus. Not out of duty. Not because we were brought up in that culture. Not because you were, you were taken to church or you were born on a pew. But because you love Jesus. That's what we got to learn. That's what we got to learn. So then Jesus does what, guys? He tells the gang... Uh, one of you is going to betray me. So that, that sours the mood, okay? <laughs> one of you is going to betray me. Are you serious, right? That adds fuel to the fire of anxiety. And so they're all perplexed. They're all stressed out, sorrowful tears. Probably, are you serious, Lord? We've been with you for, what do you mean somebody? Which one? Who? Who could it be? Is it me? Is it me? I knew that Judas always looked funny. I mean, it has to be him. No, it's not Judas. It could be. And so they're, they're going nuts. And, and then when Judas leaves, he tells, he tells Peter, hey, Pete. I love you, buddy, but you're going to die me three times in just a few hours. 
No, Lord, I'm going to die for you. No, bud, I wish you would. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm glad you have that heart, and I know you think that way, but in, in just a few hours, there's going to be three times that you're going to deny me. And I guess you could say there's a pretty heavy vibe of stress. There's a major storm in the disciple's life. But we learned that Jesus tells the disciple in the midst of this storm, what does he say? He says, let your heart not be troubled, right? You believe in God, believe, believe also in me. That's what he's saying, okay? And that's what we need to grasp here. Listen, to feel the weight of what's going on, right? You got to understand that they're perplexed, they're sorrowful, they're stressed, they're nervous, and they're troubled. They're troubled. But Jesus says, guys, don't be stressed. Stop being stressed. Now, the one thing I want to point out there in verse 1, and I want you to really grasp this because I think this is a great application to you. If you're taking notes, the Holy Spirit gives us a stress marker. You go, what's a stress marker? He, he's going to stress out the word your. He's going to stretch out the word your. And he says, Jesus says, let not your, your heart be troubled. Let not your heart be troubled. And why? Because if it's not, then it's just a general, hey, don't be stressed, guys. And when we hear that, we're like, yeah, easy for you to say. Because we're stressed. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. Listen, don't let your heart be troubled. Right? It's very personal. Adam, don't let your heart be troubled. Tiffany, your heart. See, it's very personal. And that's what we need to understand. Don't be stressed. Now, the second thing we need to understand, guys, it blows me away. Remember, in the way it's written, it's in the command form. Okay, so Jesus is actually commanding us. He's not just suggesting, hey, listen, if you get a chance, Scott, don't be stressed, bro. No, he's saying, don't do this. Don't do this, right? It's in the command form. The verb structure is in the present tense. So right now, right now, imperative, negative, it's in the passive voice. What Jesus is saying is stop doing this. He's commanding you, don't be stressed. Don't be stressed. Stop right now. Go on refusing to do this. Here's what we need to say. If Jesus commanded us, we need to say, I need to stop right now. I need, he said, don't stress. I'm going to do what Jesus said. He said, don't stress. Pastor, uh, how, why, why, why should I not stress? Well, he tells us. He says, because of the Holy Spirit. Verse 16, he says, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. Why don't you stress? Because we believe in God, we believe in Jesus, and the Holy Spirit lives inside us. The Holy Spirit lives inside us. Hey, let me ask you a question. What Jesus told us in Matthew, don't worry, right? What is worry going to do? Can you, is it going to add? A, I mean, what is worry going to do? And does worry do anything for us? It doesn't, uh, does it? And yet we have the gift of worry, right? <laughs> we are the gift of, I just, I'm worried. What are you worried about? I'm just worried about being worried because I'm not worried anymore. No, stop being, stop, stop stressing out. Stop stressing out, right? And Jesus says, hey, listen, to a heart that's ready to receive him, he says, I'm going to ask the Father, okay? And he's going to give you another helper. Who is it? It's another of the same kind. It's the parakletos. It's the Holy Spirit. It's a comforter. You still stressed? You go, a little bit, Pastor. Jesus says, well, I'm not going to leave you orphans. Okay? You're not, you're not orphans. I will come to you. You don't want... Listen... If you don't want to be stressed, I want you to walk out of here after church. Don't go now, okay, because I'm not done preaching. And look up and go, he's coming for me. Someday, he's coming for me. And then all the stuff, all the little things that have been chomping at you, you know. Jesus is coming back for me soon. This, I don't want to worry about that. I'm not going to worry. Because he said, don't let my heart be stressed. 
I'm not going to leave you orphans. And then last week, what did he say? My peace. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Remember, jot this down, guys. I think this is something that should be written on your Bible. Peace is not the absence of conflict. We will always have that in this world. But it's the presence of God, the person of Jesus living in you. That's what we need to understand. You go, I just want peace in my life. Well, peace is not the absence of conflict. It's the presence of Jesus in your life. It's Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. Okay, so you understand it's Jesus in your life. And so we closed last week with verse 31. It says, Jesus tells his disciples, arise, let us go from here. So they're leaving the upper room. You guys got that? They're kind of leaving there. Jesus has more to say to them, and he obviously to us too. And uh, you might want to write this down somewhere. If you're taking note, chapters 15 and 16 are known as the second uh, farewell discourse. Jesus is telling his guys goodbye. Okay, he's not going to be walking with them everywhere. He's not going to be huddling around the campfire and pouring wisdom into them. It's the second discourse, uh, farewell discourse. And so what Jesus does, he says, let's talk about fruit bearing as well as I'm going to tell you about the world and then I'm going to bring back the Holy Spirit. And of course, if you have a bulletin in front of you, you know I'm calling this message proper pruning for a spiritual growth, proper pruning for a spiritual growth. Now, let me quickly set the stage. Jesus and the disciples have left the upper room. They're walking, and as they're walking past the upper room, they probably notice a golden vine that hung all around Herod's temple. And the disciples, guys, they also knew that the cultivation of grapes and the vineyards throughout Israel was so important for the economy and, and the way of life in Israel. So when Jesus begins to speak about the true vine, this wasn't a foreign concept. This wasn't. It's like Jesus being in Lubbock and talking about cotton. Everyone would go, yeah, I get it. We, there's cotton farms. That's how it is, okay? So we wouldn't be going, what? You're talking about pine trees. I hadn't seen a pine tree. What are you talking about? He's, he says he's just relating that. So they're walking out, and he's going to talk about that. Now, there are four elements in this text. Let me give them to you. He's going to talk about the vine. Okay, who's the vine? That's Jesus Christ. That's the vine, You go, okay, what about the branches? That's number two. That would be the disciples and us. Okay, turn to your neighbor and say, I'm a branch. You got it? I'm a branch. Okay, turn to the neighbor you ignored. No, I'm just kidding. The third is the vine dresser. That would be the the father. That'd be Father God. He's the vine dresser. You can also put the expert fruit producer. That's who he is. And then the fourth element, guys, is the fruit. The fruit. What kind of fruit are we bearing? Well, in order to interpret Scripture, we need Scripture, right? We talked about the fruit of the Spirit. Love, peace, joy, patience. So it, but, but I'm just going to put love here, dot, 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 because we're going to see all of this. Okay? So the fruit we want to start out is love. You go, what is that again? The vine is Jesus. The branches, that's us. The vine dresser is the Father. He owns the vineyard. And then, of course, we want to produce fruit. Everybody got that? Give me an amen if you have. Okay, so that's when we pick up our study in verse 1. Jesus is teaching, and he says, John chapter 15, verse 1, he says, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. You go, Ben, that's Captain Obvious. Thank you, guys. You're awesome. The very first thing I want to draw your attention to, guys, is Jesus says to them, I am. Did you catch that? I am. And then he goes on to list who he is. Of course, this reminds me of the seven great I am statements that Jesus proclaimed throughout this book. 
Do you remember that? The first one, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door. He went on to say, I am the good shepherd. Then he told us, I am the resurrection and the life. And then a couple of weeks ago, we said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And today he says, I am what, guys? I am the true vine, the true vine, okay? So the entire chapter of John 15 is really about the true vine. You need to understand that because we'll talk about that again next week. In John 15, 1 and John 15, 5, Jesus says, I am the true vine. And he was emphasizing in general that he is the vine and we are the branches. That's why you turned to your neighbor and said, I'm a branch, I'm a branch, I'm a branch. And then he said, in order to bear fruit, we have to remain in him. Now, here's what I want you to know. I want you to know what Jesus is saying, okay? He says, I am, let me give you the quotation, the true vine. You guys see that? The true vine, okay? And you go, why? Because you know, in just a few short years, other people are going to rise up and proclaim to be the Messiah. So Jesus says, no, 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 no. Listen, even before I came, there were people claiming to be the Messiah. Even after I leave, people are going to claim to be the Messiah. He says, don't listen. I am the what? The true vine. And you go, okay, so what does that mean? Well, like in our day, Jesus is emphasizing, I am the true vine. Why? Because I think there was a lot of false vines. There could have been a false vine. There could have been somebody going, well, don't listen to Jesus. He wasn't really the Meshach. He wasn't the Messiah. There was a lot of false vines that were happening. He tells us that God the Father is the vine dresser. If you have a pencil handy, you can circle the word vine dresser. It means husbandman, tiller of the, of the soil, the vine dresser. That's who God the Father is. He's the husbandman. In other words, guys, our Father is the expert fruit producer, and he owns the vineyard. Everybody got that? He owns the vineyard, okay? So that's the vine dresser. Now, what's, what's, what's Jesus' rap? What's he talking about? Okay, well, let's talk about lifting and pruning. You guys look at verse 2. Jesus declares, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Now listen to me, guys. This is a very heavy verse, and I want you to feel the weight of what Jesus is saying here, okay? Why? I want you to remember, we're the branches, okay? We are the branches. And here's what he just said. Every person in Christ that does not bear fruit, the vine dresser does something. What does you go? Well, wait a minute. Let's read it. Every branch, that's me, in Jesus that is not bearing fruit, he takes away. Do you guys see that in verse 2? Look at the word takes away, okay? Because he's going to do something. You go, Ben, what does that mean? What does that mean he takes away? Well, let me give you two schools of thought, okay? Let me give you two schools of thought, and then I'll tell you where I land on this, okay? I just want to put it out there. The first school of thought is the phrase takes away means, listen, this is the first school. This is what they believe, that if a believer is not bearing fruit, is not producing fruit, then God actually takes him home to heaven. That's, that's most 1,800 commentaries believe that they said, okay, if you're a born-again Christian and you're not producing love, patience, joy, you're not producing the fruit, God's like, okay, well, you're not going to produce any more fruit. Come on home. And that's how they believed. And it was like, wow, why? Because the word takes away means it's like, well, Alice, you're not bearing any more fruit. Come on home. That's what they're saying. They're, they're saying, and so we would be going, wait a minute. 
They're believers and they died young. What happened? Well, I guess they weren't producing any more fruit. That's the first school of thought. Huh, interesting thought. Most people taught that back in the 1800s. Wouldn't that scare you? <laughs> You'd be like, I've got to produce fruit. I don't know what i got to do. Olivia, I love you, but I don't love you because, but I just, and, and you would just be weird, right? It'd just be weird because you're thinking, if I don't produce fruit, God's going to kill me. That's first school. Second school of thought. Now, you got you to gotta underline this because, well, let me go back. Let me go back, okay? I got ahead of myself. Most people believe, and here's where they would jump, right? They would actually use 1 Corinthians 11.30 as a reference, okay? And it's really hard to swallow due to the context of the chapter, but let me just give it to you, okay? School, still first school of thought. 1 Corinthians 11.30, for this reason, many people are weak and sick among you and many sleep. So they would use that based upon that verse. They're like, well, okay, that's really hard to swallow because of context, but that's where they landed, Second school of thought, notice the phrase take away, because it literally means in the Greek to lift up, to lift up. That's what it literally means, okay? And it gives a beautiful picture of a loving vine dresser to come and pick up off the ground a branch that has fallen on the dirt. Okay, so you have this beautiful vine, right, this vineyard, and then you're walking by and you see this vine and it's on the dirt. Can I guarantee you guys that there will be no grapes on the vine on the dirt? It doesn't produce, it doesn't produce any fruit on the dirt. So what the vine dresser does is he comes in and he goes, I'm going to pick that up and I'm going to wrap it around the trellis again so that it can produce fruit, so it can produce grapes, okay? Here's what I love about, guys, think about the trellis. Think about vines. What do vines do? Vines just love and hug on everybody, right? They're not like, nope, can't, I'm only going to go around this trellis because there's those people over there. They just, they're all intertwined. And I think it's a beautiful picture, guys, of what we need to do as believers with other believers. You know what I mean? They call it this gospel community. It's doing life together. That's what it means. It means that we've come from all different places, and we just, we're, just all, we're just all a mess. We're just all a mess, all, all around each other, hanging on and doing life together, bearing fruit. Well, that's where I kind of land, guys. That's kind of where I land, right? Uh, again, I think the Father, just, it's, it just encourages us, and it makes it easier for the fruitfulness believer. Why? Because then Jesus comes, and, and what happens? You're lying dead on the ground, right? You're, you're just, whatever life is, there you are. And Jesus doesn't go, well, let's cut it off, snip, right? Jesus doesn't come in. Let me see how many, how, what's that on the ground, right? He doesn't do that. What he does is he says, no, I'm going to put those away. I'm going to put those away, and I'm going to come, and I'm going to lift it up, and I'm going to put it back on the trellis. He lifts us up. Guys, he encourages us. For what reason? Right? Well, he's hoping that we'll respond and begin to bear fruit. Begin to bear fruit. I tend to be in the second group because I trust that God often lifts us up in hopes that we'll produce his fruit. And then what happens is that as we begin to produce fruit, what does he have to do? Well, then he has to prune us. Right? Everybody say, ouch. Because you know that hurts. Pruning hurts, does it not? I mean, again, that's what we are, right? So I'm so glad that God does not prune me the way I prune the wisteria bushes. I'm so glad, right? 
And I know that Beverly, she's so gentle with those flowers. It's just a little snip and a little snip there, right? I'm so glad doesn't do that, right? Now, I want you to note the progression of the fruit, guys. Notice, in verse 2, he says no fruit, right? And then he says, then you're going to produce fruit. And then in verse 2, he says there's going to be more fruit. And then in verse 5, he's going to say you're going to produce much fruit. That's the progression. That's progression. Let's just say you're here today and you're a vine and you're laying on the ground and you hadn't produced any fruit. Jesus wants to come. He wants to pick you up. He wants to wrap you around with the other believers. And then he says, okay, you're going to bear fruit. And you're going, yes. And then you're going to bear more fruit. And you're like, yes. And then he says, but I want you to bear much fruit. Much fruit. Guys, I don't know if you get this or not, okay? And I know, I know the world is really hard hitting you, but let, here, here it is. Listen, you're, you're here, you're on earth for a purpose and a reason. You have a plan and a purpose. God's not, God's not forgotten about you. God's not looking at you going, seriously? Okay, yeah, well, they're not doing anything. Let's just put them. He says, you're here and you're making a difference and, and you're going to bear fruit. And people need to see that. Don't, don't, don't sell yourself short because you're going to bear fruit and you're going to bear much for, more fruit and you're going to bear much fruit. And then God's going to come and he's going to prune you. Let's talk about pruning for a minute, guys. I looked up some pruning stuff and listen, there's an expert way to prune and then there's the my way of pruning, okay? The expert way, guys, is to prune a bush or a vine. Is this amazing, okay? First and foremost, the, the first way that they say is there's something called a maintenance pruning, maintenance pruning, Okay, Joe, do you know this? Maintenance pruning. And then the second one is called the rejuvenation pruning. Here's what I found interesting. When it comes to pruning, there are thin cuts and then there are head cuts. You're like, really? Yeah. Did you know that head cuts produce the most fruit? The most fruit, okay? And so notice what Jesus says. Every branch, that's us, in me that does not prepare fruit, he's going to lift up. And every branch that's bearing a little fruit, he's going to prune so that it can bear more fruit. Everybody look at verse 2 again, because I want you to underline that word bear. You go, why? Because it's the uh, present infinitive. You go, what do you mean? Well, we've talked about this before. What it really means is it's constantly and repeatedly, it's habitual. You go, what do you mean? If we're constantly being pruned, believers should habitually and constantly produce fruit. That's what we should be doing. And maybe some of you guys, your life, it feels like a roller coaster. Sometimes you're up high and you're like, man, I'm producing fruit for Jesus. And sometimes you're down low and you're not doing anything. And you're coming back up high and you're coming down low. Jesus says, no, no, no. Listen, if you, here's what you do. You're going to get pruned and you're going to continue to bear much fruit. You're going to continue to bear fruit. You're going to continue to bear fruit. And it's going to be habitually. It's going to be habitually. Every branch in me, he's going to lift up and he's going to prune. He's going to cut away that dead stuff so that you can bear more fruit. Notice what he says with me in verse 3. He says, you are already clean, fellas, because of the word which I have spoken to you. Now, again, this is just, he just reminds us of the upper room discourse when he washed the feet. Remember? You guys know the story. Pete, Pete's like, Jesus, you're not washing my feet. And Jesus is like, dude, seriously, if I don't wash your feet, you have no part with me. And Jesus and, the, and Peter's like, no, 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 not, not, not just my feet, Lord, all of me. And he's like, no, you're already clean. You just need your feet washed. That's what he's saying right here. He's telling the guys. He's saying, guys, now remember, I want you to get your mind wrapped around what he's saying. He's talking about bearing fruit. He's talking about being a believer with a plan and a purpose for his kingdom. 
okay? You're bearing fruit. Love, peace, joy, patience, long-suffering. All of these things, you're bearing fruit. But the key fruit is love. And so you got to look at your heart and you got to say, where's the love in my heart? Am I bearing at least love? Because all those other things flow out from a heart that loves. You're like, okay, okay, I get it, I get it. Okay, he says, you're already clean. And then he says, now verse four, he says, abide in me and I in you. As the branch, that's us, cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Nothing. Okay? So let's, let's, let's unpack this real quick, guys. This is going to help us. Jesus starts off in verse 4, and he says, abide in me. Circle that word. It means to remain in the same place over time. To remain in the same place over time. What Jesus is saying to us is that we must remain in him. Here's what I want to tell you. Stay put. Don't move. That's what he's saying. Abide in me. Abide in me. Okay? And, and he says, abide in me. Jesus says, stay put. If you want to be effective for his kingdom, then you only need to abide in him. Your attention, please. There are so many times when we feel like we have to work for God in order to gain his favor that we run around in, in just a... Gosh, we're just doing activities because we think that's what's going to make God happy. And what he says is, he says, no, no, you want to be effective for my kingdom? You want to you be effective for me? Just stay right, stay real, stay remain in me. Just stay put. Stay put. Stay plugged in. Stay plugged in. Okay? Stay plugged in. That's what he's saying. He says, just abide in me. And you go, well, why, Lord? And Jesus explains, here's why. Because as a branch, right? As a branch that cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Here's what he's saying. Neither can you unless you abide in me. Unless you abide in me. The Bible goes on to tell us that sometimes that, guys, listen, a bad tree can't produce good fruit. And a good tree can't produce bad fruit, and that will be known by our fruit. But we're not going to be able to produce any fruit if we're not what? Abiding in Him. Staying close in Him. Plugged in. Okay? It's kind of like when, when Joe comes on Saturday, and Joe has his routine. Joe comes up, he gets the vacuum cleaner out, he comes into the sanctuary, and he, he doesn't do anything. He just, he just goes back and forth with it. You go, Ben, that would be silly. That would be a waste of time. That why? He has to plug it in. There has to be a source, right? And so when Joe plugs it in, he hits the button and the dirt and everything else gets sucked up into the vacuum because the vacuum is plugged in. But it'd be silly if Joe brought the vacuum and he just went like this. Hey, Pastor Ben, how's it going? Hey, Pastor Josh, how you doing? Joe, what are you doing? I'm vacuuming. Uh, Joe, what? I'm almost done. It's going a lot faster this time. Joe, you got. You guys see the point? It'd be silly. We go like, um, you need to plug this into. Oh, well, that works better. That works better. 
That's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, guys, a branch, it's not going to be able to bear fruit. It's not going to be able to bear fruit. Now, I want to illustrate this point, okay? Because I did this at my house. Check this out. See this right here? This is a beautiful, wonderful, this is an apricot branch, okay? At my house, I have an apricot tree, and I got a branch. And so, check it out. It's, it's pretty cool. I try to get, uh, I snipped it a little bit. Look, I even did a head cut. You can see right there. Here's my point. Here, here's what I want to do, okay? Here's my hope. In a few weeks, Joe, in a few months, this branch is going to produce sweet apricots, and, and it's going to be so much, this is going to produce so much apricots come fall. I mean, come spring, I'm going to put a bucket right here, and we're just going to all enjoy apricots. Right? You're going, Pastor, you're crazy. I, guys, in order, in order for this branch to bear apricots, it needs to be connected to the tree. It needs to be connected to the tree. Or else what'll be, what will it be worth? Nothing. Nothing. As a matter of fact, I cut it up. I cut it this morning, and you could see the leaves are starting to just kind of wither just a little. And that was just this morning. See, that's what he's saying. He's saying there's a lot of Christians out there that are this. And he says... You need to be plugged in. You need to be connected to the vine. You need to be connected to the vine. Stay plugged in, guys. Stay plugged in. Guys, that's, that's the takeaway. That's the takeaway, okay? Notice how verse 5 reads in the good news, okay? It says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me, I in them, they will bear much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. That's what he's saying. Without you can do nothing. Okay, so this morning I want to close our study. Okay, I want to close our study with these takeaways. Okay, I'm going to put my little branch back here so I can use it for next service. Number one, number one. These are our takeaways, guys, as we close. If you came here today and life has got you stressed out, stressed, your job is stressed, your life is a stress. People, I mean, can, any, can I get a witness? I mean, sometimes I'm stressed out. I mean, it's just like, ugh. Guys, here's what Jesus says to you today. Don't let your heart be troubled. Trust in the Lord to give you peace. Trust in the Lord to give you peace. In the world, guys, peace is not the absence of conflict. It's not going to be the absence of the pain or the hurt or the stress. But peace in your heart is going to be the presence of Jesus living in you. Peace is a person who loves you very, very much. You understand that, right? Because we often think that peace is the absence of conflict. It's not. It's that Jesus is living inside us. So if you're stressed, Jesus commands you, don't be stressed. Don't be stressed. Let not your heart be troubled. It's almost like you've got this wonderful father going, come on up, I got you, I got you. But God, you don't understand, man. My boss is, I got you, I 
got you. My marriage is really, I got you. Stay close to me. Stay plugged in. Stay plugged in. Don't stress. I'm walking with you. Second, the second takeaway, guys, is if you're here and you're a born-again follower of Jesus Christ, there are times in your life that Jesus is going to lift you up to get you connected back with people. Intertwined doing life. You've heard your friends say, I don't need to go to church. I don't need, I'm the Lone Ranger Christian. That's not true. Will you just, well, could, could we agree that we just need each other? We just need each other. That's how God made us. He made us relational. And we need, we need to be intertwined and just growing together. And the one thing we don't need to do as a church and as a body is to look at somebody and go, oh, I'm jealous of his fruit. What we need to do is go, awesome. Oh, this is awesome. This is great. Keep going. Oh, dude, that's great. I, I can't wait to have that fruit. Because the enemy wants us to be what? Competitive. Oh, why does he have fruit? Why do, look, look at his grapes. I don't have any grapes. And we get envy and we get jealousy. That's not how God called, what God called us to do, did he? He calls us to just lift each other up. If I see my brother and, 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 and he's on the ground, let's, let's help each other out. There you go, bro. There you go. There you go. Here's what we do. Come on. Come on, somebody. Was oh, that your vine? You should read the Bible more. You should. Do. That's not what God called us to do. He calls us to lift up and go, listen, I'm here for you, man. Because I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you're going through. But I know I'm here to help you. What do you need? What do you need? God didn't call us guys to walk around like this either, did he? Scott, you got, you, you got this here? Let me cut it. I'll just cut it off, bro. And he's like, no, wait, 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 wait hold, hold up, dude. What? We're the church of the Clippers. That's what we are. If you don't got any fruit, we cut you down. Cut. Am I, am I, come on, right? Can I get somebody, right? We don't do this. We go, now, you know what? That's not what God called me to do. Here's what God called me to do. How you doing? How you doing now? Here you go. Here you go. Let's go. Here you go. You made a mistake? Well, I'm here for you. Can I tell you how many mistakes I've made? You don't want to know. And let me tell you this. God got me through every one of them. Every one of them. He's going to prune us, guys, so we can bear fruit. You can expect the, dry, the, the vine dresser to come and give you head cuts in order so that you, he can get the most out of you. And it's okay not to be okay, but it's not okay to stay that way. Let him prune you, for he has a greater purpose in your life. Remember this, guys, when it comes to being pruned. You ready? The purpose of pruning is so that we can bloom. The purpose of pruning is so we can bloom. We need to remain in Jesus. Why? You ready? Jot this down. Pruning feels like we're taking a step back. Ow! Oh, that hurts. Oh, oh, oh. And it feels that way. Anybody with me? You, you guys, you know, pruning feels like we're taking a step back. Pruning puts us in a position for growth. Let me say this to you. Ready? 
Pruning destroys fears and insecurities. That's what it does. It's okay to be pruned. God's going to do a work. Last but not least, you ready? Guys, remain in Jesus. Okay? This poor guy, this poor guy probably said, I was fine till you came. I would have stayed put a long time and I probably would have bared fruit. And that's what Jesus is telling you. Stay put. Stay plugged in. Don't wander off. Don't let the enemy come and chop you. Don't let the enemy come. That's what he wants to do. He wants to chop you here so you don't produce any more fruit. Now, here's the thing. I mean, maybe only God can graft us back into the tree. Only God can, but we can't. So to you and me, this is, this is, this is done. After today's service, it's going to end up in the trash. You're worth far more than that. Don't let the enemy do that. Remain in Jesus. Father, we thank you for your word, God, and the truth in your word. We thank you, God, that you're in control of all things, and we love you. And today, God, we present ourselves, guys, Lord, as branches that need you. Father, some of us may have come here, and we feel a little bit disconnected from, Lord, the true source of life. We feel disconnected. We feel like, we feel like this branch. Lord, we also feel like this, these big giant scissors is life, and it's just, it just been, this is life. And so, Lord, we don't want this in the hands of the world, God. We want these in the hands of you. The expert vine dresser. Lord Jesus, I know. I know, Lord, that, that pruning hurts. And it's painful, and it's weird, but I know it's, it's for a purpose. And so with that, God, I stand and I say, if you need to prune me, go right ahead. If you need to break me, God, go right ahead. I can't tell you that I'll, I'll go through it with joy, and I can't tell you that I'll, I'll just be dancing while it happens, but I know, God, it's going to be for a greater purpose for you. And I can say this with confidence, my life is not mine. My life belongs to you. So do what you will, Lord. Do what you will. With every eye closed and every head bowed, how many of you would say, Pastor, you need to pray for me. I feel like I'm a dead branch. I'm just a dead branch. I feel, I feel like I'm on the ground. If that's you, we definitely want to pray for you. We definitely want, we're in this together. So we would ask that you would, you would just grab a pastor, talk to somebody, say, hey, listen, I just, just pray for me because I, I feel like I, I've just, I've lost my way, man. I've lost my way. Father, we love you today. We thank you for what you're doing in our lives. We look forward to what you want to do next week. We love you. It's in your beautiful name. Amen and amen. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. 
I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you, or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the Donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.